Ready to make a difference from the comfort of your home? United Health Group is looking for problem solvers like you. Dive into a customer service career where your skills help improve lives. Grow your career in a flexible work environment while we support you with industry-leading benefits. Make a difference daily while building your future. Visit careers.uhg.com or click the banner to apply today. And go ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. You got to remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you'll save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I, of course, am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. We may be able to hear from Patrick Lyons this evening, though it may be a little bit more difficult because he was down at Coors Field this evening, taking in and reporting upon a Colorado Rockies eventual 8-4 to win over the Los Angeles Angels on a walk-off grand slam off the bat of Charlie Blackman. The first, and I was going to say the first since the only other walk-off Grand Slam in the history of the Colorado Rockies. You, of course, know that because you've been following this team for a while, or if you haven't, you've at least educated yourself on their history, and you know about the Spilly Slam back in 2009. You know about how that was big in helping save that team and get them and their season and get them into the postseason. Big, big stuff. Back then, we'll see what the ultimate ramifications were for this one. In the immediate, you can barely say this would have been a terrible game for the Colorado Rockies to lose for a number of reasons. They got a good to great pitching performance out of Herman Marquez. They were up a run going into the final two innings, handing the ball to their most trusted relievers, both of whom ended up giving up home runs, but they come back with the offense. They get the big rally there in the ninth. Ryan McMahon with the solo home run to tie it up. That can't be lost in all of this, that Ryan McMahon did the job that really allowed the rest of the team to kind of relax and, as, as the saying goes, play with house money a little bit because if you don't get a hit, the game's not over. Your team doesn't lose. Ryan McMahon's taking care of that, right? He's taken the immediate loss off the table. And that allows everybody to take a huge sigh of relief to, to put your shoulders down. And, you know, that kid has caught so – kid, he's 25 now. or uh, Is he 26? I still think he's 25 years old. Um, you, you know, 
he's caught a lot of flack and, and a lot of it fairly for the strikeout numbers and, and some rough at bats. And he had a couple more out there tonight. He had struck out in the two at bats prior to that home run. And both times on pitches that were out of the zone, he could have drawn walks in those at bats. It didn't, uh, it, it wasn't good. It did not look good. Uh, at the same time, you know what he's capable of. And Ryan McMahon was able to show you why that power bat, his ability to go the other way, and hitting home runs the other way at Coors Field is not an easy thing to do. I've had some very long conversations with a couple of people, uh, Spilly and Sully, Corey Sullivan being a left-handed hitter who had to hit at Coors Field, talking to him about his conversations with Todd Helton about how so many of those doubles came from, especially after the humidor, because it became so hard to hit the ball out that way, but he was more than happy to take his doubles. McMahon showing you just that raw strength on a changeup away from him to go and hit that thing out. Big, big, big stuff there. But yes, of course, your draft king of the game, the only person it could be, right? It was almost Herman Marquez. Could have been, and we'll talk about his performance in a minute. And, you know, Rymel Tapia had a shot at it and, and, and wasn't able to come through. Trevor Story uh, was pretty much worked around there, but he had a very good game and, and was in the mix, absolutely. But it's got to be Chuck Nasty himself. When you hit a walk-off Grand Slam, that's it. That's the end of the story. You are the draft king of the game. Use that promo code DNVR over at that. Uh, sportsbook app there but just just no doubt about it right what I come through and honestly he uh, uh if you were watching they threw him four pitches out of the strike zone and th- one of them was called a strike quite graciously uh by Corey Blazer it, it was not it, it was not close to being a strike and he'd had a tight zone all night so Charlie was extremely frustrated especially once it's a three-one count when you're going, the ball game should be over, right? Could be very easy to just get inside your own head or just get frustrated in general. Like that should be it. That should have been ball four, bases loaded, walk, game over. If he hits that uh, a line drive right at a guy, now on a three-one pitch that's handleable, which is what he got, a three-one pitch that was very handleable, a piped fastball. Then you're super frustrated because the game should have been over, but. Didn't matter. He hit it over the wall. Really, really clutch stuff uh, from Charlie Blackman. I've made a big deal over the years about Nolan Arenado being really, really good in the clutch, and we all know that that he hasn't been as much lately. Thought he got that one in the eighth, didn't you? I thought he got that one in the eighth, and and that could have been a huge swing for Nolan Arenado to hit a two-run jack uh, that could have been a, a, essentially a game-winner for his club. But Charlie Blackman has been almost as good over the years as Nolan Arenado in the clutch. And you, you saw it out there in this one. Um, yeah, Hamilton, Joe, That I mean, that fastball, <laughs> you can sit on that in a 3-1 count when a guy has been a little bit wild. And, uh, and particularly... You know, Charlie Blackman, I've said many, 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 many times that so much of Charlie Blackman's success at the plate comes from upstairs, right? Comes from his mind and what he knows 
a guy is going to do. Raimel Tapia had one of those earlier in the game. Now, there, that's kind of an obvious one. He knew the, the kid had been a little bit wild, and he also knew he was in a big spot, and he was going to make him throw pitches over the plate, and he threw several outside. Uh, and, and, you know, you know, the pressure is all on him right there. And you figure he's going to try to pipe a fastball because he doesn't want to walk in the the game-winning run. And so Charlie could have the freest and easiest swing in the world. He knew what was coming, not because of Astros-style stuff or e- even traditional sign-stealing, any of that. He knew what was coming. And, and contrary, and you're absolutely right, you still have to you still have to hit it square. There's absolutely no guarantees. And like I was saying earlier, even if you line it up and hit it 111 miles an hour, it better not be right at the second baseman or right at the right fielder, right? Uh, the Rockies had a, a couple of those tonight. The Rockies were kind of playing pepper with that right center field gap, but Trout and Adele were running stuff down. Uh, there was one that, that dropped earlier. Trevor Story was able to get an RBI double out of it because it was just right in between them and they almost ran into each other. Rockies caught a little bit of a break there, but they were hitting the ball well. Um, you know, just some of them were getting caught, and that could have been the case with that that final one there with Charlie. It just it, he just got it exactly right and got the right launch angle on it, put it over the wall. But that's those are the differences in the game. And you're right, a little too much, a little too late again. Imagine where this team would be if Nolan could get out of this slump. And uh, Zach, yeah, totally thought Nolan's fly out in the eighth was gone. I thought it was a no-doubter off the bat as well. In fact, you know, and I'm pretty good at judging this. I would say I've got like a 90% success rate at balls off the bat when I go, when I say out loud, oh, that's gone. Probably about 90% of the time it's gone. And I said that tonight for um, for Nolan. I, off the bat, I thought, ooh. That's gonna, I thought halfway up, I thought maybe a shot to hit the concourse. Uh, I think the word out of my life, uh, out, uh, the words out of my mouth at that moment, exactly while the ball was in the air, were you finally got one. And then it died on the warning track. <laughs> and dude settled underneath it. And I just went, oh, Nolan. Oh, Nolan. Oh, Nolan. <laughs> like, just been that kind of year because that was a hanger and he was on it exact right launch angle like he just didn't quite get the oomph into it it's cold night out there a little bit i don't know i did look at the stack cast numbers he didn't hit it as hard as i thought it was only 91 miles an hour off the bat expected batting average was like zero eight zero so if that had gotten out i suppose it would have been a little bit lucky but still like he pummels that pitch throughout his career that you make a mistake like that to Nolan Arenado when he does put it on the concourse. Um, but yeah, like it, it didn't go. Charlie's did. Uh, that's the way it goes back to the, the old saying it's round ball, round bat, and you, and you have to hit it square. And <laughs> they, they finally, finally hit one square with runners on base runners in scoring position, right? That's been the, the tail of this team particularly the offense over the last couple of weeks can't come up with the hit with runners on base and runners in scoring position looked like the same story out there was going to be the case again tonight. They did it in the very first inning. And and this is the stuff that drives you crazy. I know it drives you crazy as Rockies fans out there. Raimal Tapia, it's a great job to get himself on base to lead off the game. 
Then he steals second before an out has been made. With Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, and Nolan Arenado coming up, you have to score him. You have to score him. Trevor Story, who had just made a defensive mistake in the top half of the inning that cost the Rockies a run by throwing a ball he had no business trying to make an out once he had bobbled that. And he maybe could have made a double play there, and the Angels don't get anything. But, you know, he, Ryan McMahon did a similar thing later. They're both trying to make an excellent play that they're capable of making when just don't make the mistake helps your pitcher out so much more in that situation. Trevor Story strikes out in the bottom half with Ryan Maltapi at second base, which takes out of the equation the ability to score a run without getting hit, right? If Trevor Story can just hit a ball to medium-deep outfield, as long as it's not to left, or a ground ball to the right side, Rymel's going to move over. And then the next thing that happened was Charlie Blackman hit a medium deep ball to the outfield. That's a run. Not coming through in those situations has absolutely destroyed the Rockies this season. They had several others throughout the game where the runners on uh, a couple of times where, you know, it's not necessarily as, as difficult as that one in the first inning when you, you can execute small things and get the run in, but multiple times where they had a runner at third base and two outs. And it's like, a single anywhere, and, and Nolan Arenado struck out on a ball at his eyes with a guy at third base and two outs. And, you know, that, that all that stuff has been frustrating. But McMahon coming through big with the clutch home run. Josh Fuentes really setting the table for the win there late with the double into the opposite field gap. And I, and I think that, um, you know, more and more, the Rockies are understanding and everybody is understanding more Josh Fuentes, less Daniel Murphy. Good for the Rockies. He's been great defensively. He's been more than serviceable with the bat and a huge hit right there late in the game, showing he's not going to shy away from the big moment. He wants the big moment. He's capable of staying within himself and helping your club win a ball game, not just with his defense at first, which is 10 to 20 times better than what you get out of Daniel Murphy. Fuentes made another fantastic defensive play out there tonight. So ACL, yeah, like the lineup. Hope you see more of it. I, I think you're starting to see this settle in a bit. And I, I would not be shocked if basically Josh Fuentes just became your everyday starting first baseman with the exception of everybody takes – a day off here and there and you know certain matchups or whatever. But like Josh Fuentes has just been doing it, man. He's been doing it on both sides of the baseball. Um, and Richard, you know, it, it's a fair question to ask about Josh. Why did it take so long for him to get to the team? You're talking about a guy who was undrafted back when there were still like 400 rounds of the MLB draft. Not really 400, but like 50, like 40, I think, when, when Josh – so, so all 30 baseball teams had 40-ish picks in a draft, and none of them picked up Josh Fuentes, right? He was just kind of signed into the Rockies organization as filler. There's a great story. If you haven't read it, Patrick Lyons wrote it a couple of years ago. But if you just Google like DNVR, Patrick Lyons, Josh Fuentes, I'm sure it'll be the first thing that comes up. And... He, he detailed this whole story in, in much 
much better than I'm going to be able to do so right now. But it's a great story. You got to go and read it because he he basically only got his chance in the minors. He was a bench player at the low level of the minors. And somebody else, and again, I can't remember. I, I didn't write the story. Got hurt. And they called his name. Josh, we need you to play today. You know, and this is, again, like you're talking low A baseball. Just, hey, we need a filler body. You've been sitting on the bench for like a month at low A. Not even good enough to get in at low A ball. And he got in the game, got a couple of hits, played pretty well. And said, well, he got a couple of hits. I'll play him again tomorrow. And he got a couple of hits. And, and then you keep doing the thing and you keep doing the thing. And suddenly the performance, and that's why, and, and scouts, you know, or analysts never fully bought in. He never made the Rockies. Like last year, he wasn't on the Rockies. MLB pipeline top 30 prospects because there's no draft pedigree there. because He wasn't drafted. And there's been no evaluation that he was ever going to be this player. He has outperformed expectations at every single level. But at some point, you just have to watch a guy play baseball, see the results that he's producing, and stop trying to break it down by, does he have all of these components that I think are necessary to make a good baseball player? And has he... And this is the question in front of us now and something that's very clearly he's answering quite well. Does he give your manager, your fans, your GM, your ball club a better sense of safety when he's in the game? And right now, Josh Fuentes makes you feel like your club is a better baseball team. And again, this kid came out of for a lot of people absolutely nowhere right remember that every time you hear somebody tell you that the rockies farm system is terrible there's nobody in it who's any good these are the exact same people who are telling you josh fuentes never going to make it to the majors never going to be a thing if he happens to maybe get a cup of coffee in the majors not a thing never a thing just remember that and yeah josh bard also a great great story Obviously, on the other end of that spectrum, but uh, so I do. I, I I toast my Breckenridge brew today. I, I do have the hot peak uh, because I'm out of the avalanche amber. But whichever way you go, you know you've got a great beer if you're drinking Breck brew. I enjoy it down at the DNVR bar, but my favorite place to get it, you know, is over at the farmhouse. They're doing socially distanced uh, in-person dining right now. It's a beautiful setup they've got there. It's outdoors. Uh, you know, the weather has been perfect. Not not during the snow, but now that the snow is, is sort of past us here, this random snowstorm that we just happened to get in the at the beginning of September here. Uh, but still, perfect place to go. Grab a little bit of food. Take in a Breck brew. Call 303-803 from 1380. Let me do that one more time. 303-803-1380. From noon to 8 p.m., use that code DNVR. You'll save five bucks on both the food and the beer. And, yes, I do know that uh, Daniel Bard gave up the, the home run tonight that could have potentially been, I was going to say the game loser. Is that a phrase? But, yeah, the game loser. Um, 
and it, it was not uh, – I didn't think it was a terrible pitch, obviously terrible timing, only the second home run he's given up this year. He was still able to finish the inning. You know, stuff like that really doesn't kill you. It, it, those are not the the bullpen things. It's, it's really frustrating when it happens right there, and if they would have ended up losing the game for it, it would have been that much more frustrating. Kind of the same thing with – Michael Givens that that I can say there about both of those guys is especially at Coors Field solo home runs are going to happen occasionally guys going to guess right on the pitch you're going to throw you got to throw strikes you can't walk people especially at Coors Field you can't walk people and neither of them did and they didn't allow a bunch of traffic and a big long rally in an inning that got completely away from them and made it so that the Rockies couldn't come back in the bottom of the ninth and winning and you might be saying Drew why are you giving them credit for that? They they got bailed out. They more or less lost the game, but you're, you're, you're making excuses for these pitchers. I'm comparing them to what the Rockies have had at the back end over the last several years, to the blowups that we've seen from Brian Shaw and Jake McGee and Wade Davis and so on. And because of that, when Givens and Bard finish out those innings, don't let them get away from them, get a couple of strikeouts afterwards and walk off the mound rather than having to make Bud Black come and take the ball away from them. That actually is a net positive for your club. Sequencing-wise, man, is it brutal when it's a close game and they give them up. I don't think we've seen the best of Givens yet in a Rockies uniform. He's gotten tagged a couple of times. He's also gotten some big punch outs. And again, it's the the innings don't get away from him. You're not going to be perfect. Nobody finishes the season with an ERA of zero, not even in a 60 game season. Nobody who pitches this year, more than five innings is going to end with an ERA of zero. The trick is to not, especially at Coors Field, not let those innings get away from you, as we saw happen to the Angels there in the bottom of the ninth. And so, yes, Givens, Bard, try to find a way not to give up those home runs at Coors Field. Keep the ball on the ground a little bit. They're getting fast and loose with the high fastballs. I like that the Rockies are throwing more high fastballs this year, and I think they need to do that. I would, you know, we would have to get really into the granular stuff here. And maybe that's a podcast we can do another time about when is a good idea to throw a high fastball. Um, That's mostly been my issue. But the, the, like, so conceptually, I'm for it, but they got to pick their spots better. And you can't get hurt by the solo home run when that's the one thing that can really kill you. But beyond that, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take those guys to task when you're coming out to Coors Field and you're getting the inning uh, done. I see the conversation going on here uh, between Richard and is it Wosie Wos uh, talking about having more faith in Fuentes rather than Brendan Rodgers? And for right now, no, there, there's nothing wrong with that. that. That's actually really interesting. They are on complete opposite ends of that spectrum right of expectations and pedigree 
and the way they've been um, sort of discussed and evaluated throughout their careers. I'll tell you this because I do, I, I push back so often against a lot of the types of analysis I see out there that I, that I don't buy into that. I feel like sometimes I, uh, I give an indication that I'm way farther outside of the consensus than I actually am. There's a lot of the analysis stuff that just seems right on for me with Brendan Rogers. Now I think they've been missing the boat on Fuentes for a while. I think they've had a blind spot there. I think a lot of analysis people run into that problem where you almost don't want the player to turn around and be good when you expected him to be nothing and you continue to expect him to not be good and continue, you know, rolling that down and it, and it can go the other way. And you could argue I'm doing that with Brennan Rogers on the positive side going, there's just too much talent there. There's just too much. So yes, I buy in enough to, my analysis of watching Brendan Rodgers play in the minor leagues and of what scouts have had to say about him, about the kind of nature of his athleticism and his right-handed swing, the path of it, the natural power that he produces. Um, if I had to bet, based on the knowledge that I have accrued in my baseball brain over 33 years of living, I would still say that Brendan Rodgers is the safer bet to have a better career. But right now, if I'm managing the Colorado Rockies, Josh Fuentes is starting at first base until further notice. And, and Brendan Rodgers, I'm really looking at, you know, let's get you involved next year. Let's keep you healthy and going, you know, down at the satellite site. If somebody gets hurt, we may need to call upon you because that talent is too promising and it could break through at any moment. But right now, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing Rodgers into the spot and I'm throwing Fuentes into the spot. You could say that I am betting on Josh Fuentes. And if you fancy yourself a little bit of a better, if you think you know your sports, you think you know what's going to happen, then I highly recommend you get over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I say get over it. It's not a physical place. You find it on your phone. Uh, you get there. You, you find the... DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can bet on all kinds of fun baseball stuff, day-to-day, game-to-game, sometimes even at bat-to-at-bat. And it doesn't have to be just who's going to win. Sometimes it can be pitcher strikeouts. Is someone going to hit a home run today? All kinds of fun stuff like that in baseball. But there's a great offer right now if you're a football fan or even just the most casual football observer because they are giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team this opening week. Anybody you think has got it. The Broncos tend to win when they're at home for their opener. That's been a big thing. If you think they've got it, there's another team out there you think is a lock. You bet a buck, you're going to win $100. How could you possibly pass that up? In the immortal words of Jack Nicholson's The Joker, they're giving away free money. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up and get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week one. Bet that $1, win 100 bucks if they win. 
Uh, use the, again, the promo code is DNVR on the sign up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. And so, uh, yeah, a few other notes from this game. I think I ran through uh, Charlie Blackman, Ryan McMahon quite a bit uh, enough. I did want to, because I, I kind of raked him over the coals a little bit for the early defensive mistake and or an early offensive mistake, point out that Trevor Story did an excellent job with his two middle at bats, hitting a double and a triple, both the other way. He knew how they were pitching him tonight. I thought he just, you know, he was smart in those at bats. He was able to go up there hit the ball for some power into that opposite field gap, get some much, much needed runs for the Colorado Rockies in the middle of the game. Rymel Tapia, again, obviously getting on base several times throughout the game, showing you why he is the trendsetter of that offense. Uh, got a couple of the rallies started early, uh, including one where he was on a ball that he knew was coming. He pulled a, a ground ball single through the right side, on a curveball that was well below the zone, but you could see from the approach, from the path of his swing, Rymel knew exactly what pitch was coming, um, whether it was full anticipation. There was nobody on base. I don't think they stole any signs or did anything like that. I'm relatively certain because he had just looked off a curveball right before that, that he thought he had gotten a little bit low. He had swung through one earlier in the game, and I think he – he anticipated that they thought they could beat him with the curveball, and he thought, no, you can't. Um, no matter how low you put this thing, I'm prepared for it, so my bat plane is going to be lower than your pitch, and that's exactly what he did. It was really a thing of beauty. Um, if you were watching that one closely, uh, it, it was really a remarkable – it was just a ground ball single through the right side, but go back and look at that thing. Uh, like the pitch wasn't close to being a strike, and you might think, well, he got lucky being able to – Put that one through but that that was 100 by design really 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 good stuff continues to be the case for ryan altapia out of the leadoff spot again you got to leave him there until further notice um all right i think that's all i've got for the offense for now let's swing over and talk a little bit about arman marquez now again uh, I don't want to put too much on the Trevor Story mistake, but you could very easily argue that Marquez pitched seven innings of shutout baseball. Well, one run, I, you know, the, the Justin Upton single, I'm going to charge him for one run for sure. That that throwing bobble that uh, Tapia made, let's say, let's say it cost him one. Uh, you know, he's, he's charged for two earned runs. I think that's a little bit harsh for that play considering how that inning played out. And if you watch the whole thing, you know, they were hitting the ball hard, but they were hitting the ball on the ground. Two infield singles, that's just tough luck. Even the, the ball we're talking about, you know, that story bobbled in and ended up throwing away. If that ball is a foot to, uh, you know, story's left, and he doesn't have to make that little slide to try to make the great play, if it's just kind of a little bit more to him, that's an easy double play ball, inning over, no run score. And Marquez really, really locked in after that, only giving up a couple of more hits um, and striking out five, walking one, ended up going seven innings, probably maybe could have gone out there 
for another. Uh, he was frustrated, I think, and rightfully so, again, with the strike zone all night. Uh, I'm not going to belabor that point too much because the Colorado Rockies did win the game. Uh, but for those of you who are here with us on the live, I will just show you really quickly because it's uh, if you saw why, if you saw him kind of barking a little bit at the umpire out there, let me see if I can find it for you. Um, where was it? Nope. Where is it? Here we go. See if I can get this to come up. See if I can figure out how to use all the technology properly. I know how to do it. There's our stat cast advanced metrics. There's the look at the number of pitches. That's one, two, three, four, five, six pitches inside the strike zone that Marquez had called balls, particularly these three up here, one, two, three, uh, in that kind of upper corner, which can be, uh, a hot spot for pitchers because whether if you're a right-hander throwing to a right-hander, you're coming up and in on the right-handed batter right there. Or if you're throwing to a lefty, you're trying to stay out and away from his power stroke. And so that that's a little bit rough for him. And if not for those calls, I think Marquez goes out there for the eighth inning, honestly. And we're not even talking about Givens giving up a, a home run because there he's at 91 pitches. Uh, was getting better as the game went on, was really starting to hit his spots, was finding the strikeout stroke again. And so the the ability for him to go seven after giving up two in the first, that is the type of Herman Marquez we were expecting to see this year. Hadn't during that really terrible four-game stretch. Now these last couple of times out, he's come out and dominated. If he's back into being the best version of himself, that's great news for the Colorado Rockies. This evening, he passed Jason Jennings to become the sixth uh, most strikeoutiest pitcher in the history of the Colorado Rockies. It's a technical term. Uh, I, I had tweeted out erroneously that he uh, was in fifth, and it's, it's actually not because there's somebody else on the team currently who's in fifth. Uh, John Gray remains just ahead of Harman Marquez for fifth place, uh, but both of those guys currently on the team, team within reach of spots three and four, maybe this year, probably early next year. In a normal season, both Marquez and John Gray would have moved into slots three and four on the Colorado Rockies all-time strikeout list. But moving up on those leaderboards is also a positive thing for the 25-year-old. And yes, wildly innocent, you can use strikeoutiest on Scrabble. On Scrabble, in Scrabble. On the Scrabble, and it's all one word, strikeoutiest. So if you get triple word score on that, you're, you're doing pretty fantastic on that. My mother's a big Scrabble fan, so she's going to enjoy this part of the podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, Rec Rob, watching Rymel start to figure it out uh, has been a whole lot of fun. Patrick, it was a beautiful, beautiful end. They really did need it. They, they needed that desperately. Like I said, this was almost the definition of that... Um, that Billy Bean, Brad Pitt as Billy Bean in Moneyball thing where he says, I hate losing even more than I want to win. Like this would have, like, this is a good win, but it's, it's like, so, it would have been so much more of a bad loss if after seven innings of two run ball out of Marquez and both of those runs were arguably a little bit of a gift. 
um, both in terms of luck and and the defensive error. And then um, for him to depart the game still with the lead after the Rockies did come up with some hits, but still they'd left so many guys out there. For them to lose that game, everything after just getting swept by the Padres and to start this homestand, which – you know, is, is going to define their season. They need to dominate this homestand to get back into the playoffs and do whatever it is that they're they're gonna do, right? <laughs> See if they can if they get into the dance and make a little bit of noise. They need this homestand to have started out on a good note. And now it does. The energy, you gotta hope that the energy from something like that can continue to build for this team, make them feel like anything is possible now. They can get the big hit in the big moment. They can win the game that feels like everything is going against them. Maybe they've come over a mental hurdle. Uh, you know, I asked Kyle Freeland today in a press conference about sparks and finding a spark. And he said, you know, it's not going to be one thing. It's not going to be one home run. Sorry, Charlie. Uh, and it's not going to be one performance or one guy coming back. Talking about David Dahl, you know, what it's going to be is all of us need to play good baseball. We need to do that consistently for a couple of games and show ourselves that that's who we really are. And that'll carry forward and we'll be a good ball club again. It's kind of easy to say, but you know, and I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but yeah. And believing that you can win under any circumstances is a big part of that. And pulling out an 8-4 win like that, huge, huge stuff. Wild Anderson is a great question. What does tonight's Giants COVID shutdown mean for the season? I don't know. Obviously, it's it's developing situation. I would imagine, you know, the Giants and the Padres are not going to play this series right now. Uh, it could put some weird and interesting pressure on both of those teams if it's been kind of standard for what's happened so far with like the Marlins and, and, and the Cardinals and stuff where a bunch of late season uh, double headers are getting scheduled. That'll be really interesting from all of our perspectives, right? Because the Giants and the Padres are, are now, now we'll see if the Padres are, are still battling the Rockies. If they take off a little bit here and they're comfortably in, in second place in the NL West, then it may be more uh, the Giants having to play a bunch of double headers. That'll be interesting from a Rockies perspective, you know, but it's tough to win. It's just tough to go on a run in double headers one way or the other. You tend to, split those and it, and it can be tiring uh, going into any kind of postseason. So that, that's the only thing I can think of other than that. You just really don't know. You got to play these things by ear. This is the, the era we live in, right? You, you find out what's going on. You see who ends up taking the field, you know, for the, for the Marlins, they just rolled out a bunch of dudes and ended up winning some games. It got, it's just weird. That's what happens. But um. Obviously, you know, for right now, if both of those teams aren't playing, it's just an opportunity for the Colorado Rockies to focus entirely on themselves, not worried all about what the Giants are doing, uh, not worried all about the Padres pulling away and just focus on winning games. And naturally, you'll you'll gain ground if you do that. You if other teams aren't playing and you're winning, you gain ground. And so play the games in front of you. You got to take care of business against these angels. Uh, you you got to. Be at your height of confidence when it's time to play the A's and the Dodgers. And if you play them well, then the chance that you finish your season at your best is pretty high.
that's what they have to beat. That's that's it. That's the formula from here on out. There's no other you know, try, 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 try to see if you can get Nolan Arenado hot. It's the only other thing I can think of. But we'll have plenty of time to discuss much more of this in the podcast and on Twitter in the next couple of days. So make sure you're following all that stuff. Make sure you are following on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus, you get discounts on all kinds of merchandise, including this hat and this long sleeve shirt that I am currently wearing. Now that the uh, weather is cooling off a little bit, able to bust out the Tony Two Bags uh, three quarters sweat or sweat sweat shirt. What is the? I don't know the technical term for this. But it looks super fly, and it's very, very comfortable. Uh, so, oh, Wildly Innocent asking me about tomorrow's pitching matchup before I get out of here. Um, that seems fair. That seems a reasonable question to ask, even though no, I'm right, right in the middle of my sign-off. Mildly rude. No, I'm, I'm, not at all. I could have I could have chosen to ignore you, but I didn't. Uh, what do we got? Freeland versus... Uh, Baria, uh, that should be a good matchup. Baria has been pretty good this year, sitting on 338 ERA. Uh, he's been a little bit home run prone, but uh, you know, that he's just been a, a pretty solid pitcher. I think the Rockies again are going to want to get into this Angels bullpen that has not been good. Probably a solid idea to uh, work the counts early, try to drive up the pitch count. Uh, Colorado sending Kyle Freeland to the hill. Uh, you know he's been good as of late. Uh, after you know a couple of bad starts there, he came out absolutely shoved his last time out uh, against the San Diego Padres, who are a much much better lineup than these Angels. Obviously, outside of the kind of heart of their order with Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, um, and the other one who I'm just totally blanking on right now. But uh, if Freeland pitches. How he has in, you know, how he did in his first six games and how he did his last time out. Uh, I think that the Rockies should be able to come out with the win here. If, you, if you've got the bad version of Freeland, it's going to be a tough day for you. But that's that's more or less the story moving forward for the Rockies, right? They, they have to get good outings from their starters. They've got to get those key hits when they can. And the bullpen, while you don't love it when they give up home runs, you can live like Giving up four runs as a pitching staff at Coors Field has got to get you a win more often than not, For especially for these Rockies with Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, and now guys like Ryan Altapia and Josh Fuentes contributing. That's got to get you a W, and tonight it did. It was very close, but it did. So the bullpen, be okay. They don't have to be great. You saw they don't have to be great. They have to be okay. Starting pitching has to be pretty damn good. You need good Kyle. Let's see what they get tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. I hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know I'll continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.